0: For the last seven weeks, and if you include this week, it'll be our eighth week, we have been going through a series here at church called This Is Us, where we are wanting to align ourselves with the kinds of things that Jesus cares about when it comes to His church. So when we see what God's Word says about the church, we want to say, as far as these things go, that's us. These are things we're, we're embodying. These are things we're living out in faith. These are things we're moving towards in increasing degrees year on year as we continue to grow and what it means to be Riverside Community Church under the Lordship and empowering of Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit. And today is the final part. And I, I've really enjoyed the series and seen how God has been working amongst us. And one of the things that we want to say of us as a church is, we are growing. We are Growing. Now for those of you who are parents, one of the greatest joys we can have as parents is to see our children grow up. Uh, I know I'll always bring our kids into it and there's going to be a time where I'm going to have to stop doing that. Um, but uh, for now, so my boys are almost seven and nine and it's been such a joy for Bianca and I to see them grow in front of our eyes. One of the more recent things we've been able to celebrate has a lot to do with a mountain bike. So years ago, someone from our old church gave us a mountain bike that was way too big for Levi. So we kind of put it in the garage. We knew the time would come where he would be able to ride and master this particular mountain bike. So the time came and you know how it is. He just makes it on and I cleaned it up and he got riding, but it felt like a few months later uh, he was too big for that particular mountain bike. So he put it back in the garage. The time would come where Nate's younger brother would be able to ride it. And literally this last week needed a bit more work that we were able to get a service and get it all right and ready for now his younger brother Nate to ride this bike. And we're like, when did this happen? When did these boys they just grow up physically so fast in front of our eyes? It feels like seconds ago that we were kind of wiping their bums and they were in nappies, and we had to make sure that the food stayed in their mouths and now they get up and they make their own breakfast and, and sometimes even make their own lunch boxes and they feed themselves and they bath and shower themselves. It's absolutely amazing. But if you're a parent, another thing that you know about being a parent is that being a parent grows you, right? In fact, I would say Bianca and I have probably grown more because of parenting than our boys have grown. And even if you're not a parent, you've realized that being an adult, there's a verb for that by the way these days, it's called adulting. Adulting is hard work. All right, running businesses and being financially accountable and, and just kind of trying to stay sane in the middle of all of it takes hard work. So our job continues as adults, we need to carry on growing and improving in our abilities to do this thing. You know, some of the people that I respect most are people that when I look at their lives and I say, why do I respect them most? They are people who have never stopped growing. Uh, one of my uh, um, lecturers she was my Hebrew lecturer, she was a practicing MD late into her, her time here on earth and, and uh, she uh, kind of mastered Hebrew and mastered Greek and, and just carried on learning and when Wi-Fi came out, uh, she was up there kind of 1 o'clock in the morning uh, kind of 70 something years old with her Apple Mac laptop and doing Wi-Fi and researches, amazing woman, never stopped growing never stopped learning and some of the other people that have inspired Bianca now, just those kinds of people, into their 50 60s 70s 80s even 90s just there's always more to learn there's always more to push into but as much as that is true of our kids and as much as that is true of you and me that equally needs to be true with regards to our spiritual lives that we need to say of ourselves we are growing and we're going to talk about growing in two ways this morning we're going to spend most of our time talking about growing deep Meaning putting our roots down, growing our maturity, growing our character, growing in our spiritual walk with God. And then also we're going to speak some time about growing wide and we'll speak into that in a few seconds time. So I want to read a passage to you this morning and see what God says about this. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 onwards, Philippians chapter 3. And I hope that uh, what this passage does for us this morning, I hope that it's a bit of kind of spiritual vitamins, spiritual kale and carrot juice that really just gets us thinking a lot more healthily about spiritual growth so that we can embrace this journey of growing. All right, so Philippians 3, 12 to 14. Paul says this, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on. Second time this come up towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called us heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Now, the first rule of understanding any passage of Scripture is context, 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 which means read ahead, read behind. If you've got time, read the whole book and you're gonna better understand what these few verses are saying. So these few verses open up by saying, not that I've already obtained all this. What is the all this he's talking about? What is he trying to obtain? Now, if you read back uh, kind of a few blocks of verses, you'll see that Paul is referring to his old life. So he talks about his old life and there's a few things we need to know about his old life. Paul, when it came to Judaism, was kind of like a Jewish Jedi, Uh, 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 he, he was kind of the kind of guy people looked up to. He had mastered Judaism. Now, in terms of spirituality, in our general culture out there, people no longer look up to people like that. But back in a Jewish culture, Paul was it. Paul embodied everything that everyone strived to be. He lived the perfect life. He had the the right lineage. He came from the right tribe. He had the right bloodline. He said the right things. He he obeyed all the laws. And as far as everything went, people were like, Paul is genius. Uh, Along with that came a whole lot of perks. So Paul was kind of like a connected, powerful guy. Paul was the kind of guy who could call on favours. Paul was the kind of guy, if you invited him for lunch, you wouldn't give him hot dogs. You'd bring out roast lamb because you wanted to impress Paul. And then he moves on to say, that was before I met Christ. And then I met Christ and it was awesome. In fact, it was so awesome that I started looking back at the ways that I thought I was pleasing to God I used to, I look now at the things that I used to consider so important in my life compared to knowing Christ, this is horrible. In fact, he uses a bit of a naughty word here that I'm not gonna say in church because I'll get emails from you guys. But he basically says, that's like dung compared to knowing Christ. And then he goes on to these verses saying, I just want to know him more. I want to know his power. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. I just want to know him more and more and more and more and more. Not that I've achieved all of that yet. Can you see where we are now? Now, if you're here this morning and you maybe look at some of the values in your life and maybe you are influential and maybe you are the kind of people that people want to know and maybe you've got some cool stuff and maybe you've experienced some great benefits about the lifestyle that you have Paul isn't necessarily saying all of that stuff is bad. What he is saying is when you get a shift in perspective and you actually see Jesus for who he is, you're going to be blown away. All that stuff is going to count for nothing compared to knowing Jesus. Now think about how we tend to balance that out. We tend to big up on this stuff. We tend to big up on, wow, look at my stuff, look at my influence, look at the things that I can enjoy in this world. And then when it comes to these sides of things, oh yeah, I've got to go to church. Because I'm a Christian, I don't have to, I don't get to do some of the stuff I really wish I was doing. And if we're honest, many of us see Jesus as a bit of a buzzkill. Whereas for Paul, he's saying, no, 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 no. You clearly aren't seeing him properly. You clearly aren't knowing him in the way that I know him. Because if you did, you would consider all of that stuff absolutely nonsense compared to knowing Jesus. I was trying to think about some analogies here. Uh, imagine growing up in a small little town in De Freestart. And I'm not saying small little towns never have technology. Just go with me here. Um, just imagine growing up on a farm in a small little town and, and all you could afford was a little black and white TV. But imagine that little black and white TV. and You guys love that black and white TV. You love the shows that came on. And, and you're like, listen, this is a celebration every single night. We can't wait uh, for 7 p.m. when our favorite shows come on. And then imagine that the sort of the country mouse moved to uh, uh, you know, the, the, the city and sort of hanging out with the town m- mouses and, and you were taken to Eastgate IMAX Theatre. Just imagine that experience of, what? I've been missing out on this. Can you imagine going back to your black and white TV? <laughs> this just doesn't cut it anymore. I was also thinking about an article I read years ago about these guys who were workers in Madagascar. They worked on these cocoa plantations. And these guys had worked, some of them, for up to 40 years on these cocoa plantations, but had never tasted chocolate. So these guys came in, and I believe they actually formed it. They took these guys, and maybe they're like, oh, what's this cocoa about? I mean, it tastes bitter, and it tastes horrible, and went back to just eating all the other food. And as they tasted chocolate for the first time, I mean, they look like some of you guys do when you eat chocolate. Just the, the, their faces are split into two. They've just got these grins. They're like, what? And all the dopamine going to the brain and all this wonderful. It's like, what? This is what that's about. We've been missing out on this. How can we go back to our life before chocolate? Right? And in the same way, Paul is saying, this is what it's like to know Christ and and this is what He wants for us and this is how I want you to know Him. And this is why he uses verbs like, man, for that, for Christ, I, I press on. Notice there's such intense there. In fact, I strain towards that because I want it so much. I want to know Him so much. I've experienced such deep joy in Him. He's what John Piper would call a Christian hedonist. Someone who's realized that our deepest joy is to be found in Christ. And once he's had a taste, it's like, I can't get enough. I can't get enough of him. Uh, And there's always more and the more I press in, there's there's more and the more I press in, there's more but he strains and he presses on because he wants his life to count and he wants to experience this joy and he wants to faithfully fulfill everything Jesus has called him to and to that end, he presses on and presses on and presses on. But many of us, if we had to think about some of how our lives changed or maybe they didn't change when we became a Christian, for many of us, maybe not all of us, it was a little bit more simple like, maybe, you know, I, I wasn't a Christian and, and I was a good guy or a good girl and I was trying my best and maybe I did some naughty things uh, and then the day came where I became a Christian. And it's kind of the static thing and for many of us, you know, I prayed this prayer news group or this thing happened to me in church or I stuck up my hand in church and got prayed for. I'm now a Christian and, and now I've got my get out of jail free card. Now I've got my golden tickets. Now I'm done, box ticked, I'm in, all right? Doesn't matter what happens now, I'm going to heaven. I've satisfied the minimal requirements for heaven, done. The way Paul sees it, is, is here, here's me and I thought I was living a life pleasing to God. I thought I had it all together and then I met Jesus. And when I met Jesus, I realised in that moment, everything I was striving for counted for nothing. And everything that I thought was valuable was absolutely worthless. And all my righteousness and good works counted for absolutely nothing compared to knowing Jesus. And then I pressed on some more. And then I discovered just how good He was. I discovered that His power was then available to me. I discovered how His grace was as amazing today as it was last year. So I pressed on some more and I discovered there was more. I discovered there was more love, more power. Oh, and by the way, I got locked up. And by the way, I got thrown into prison. And by the way, I got beaten and shipwrecked and, and snakes bit me, but that doesn't really care. Oh, and by the way, as I pushed in, all the stuff that I thought was important fell away out of my life, but I don't care because I'm pressing on. And for Paul, it was a journey. It wasn't a static thing. You know, in the Bible, the word Christian is hardly ever used. We get this idea of like, I'm a Christian. It sounds like a static thing. The term that is used, especially by Jesus, most often is the term disciple. And, and, and if we talk about what a disciple is, Jesus says, come and follow me. A disciple is someone who is following Jesus, not I followed Jesus. There was a day when I prayed a prayer. No, I am following. That's a participle, means I'm still following. I'm still growing. I'm still pressing in. I'm still maturing. I'm still growing in character. I'm still growing in love. I'm growing in my knowing of God. And this is this journey that Paul continues taking us through. And this is what he wants for us. This is how he wants us to experience Christ and here's the good news about all of that I mean you could be here this morning as a brand new Christian and if you kind of picture a little baby plant it gets a little root that comes out and then the first two leaves that break the top of the soil and if that's you God's saying that's awesome just grow I don't expect you to be an oak tree by tomorrow just be growing and even if you're on this side you're the apostle Paul now I don't know if there's anyone here in the room who is the Apostle Paul. But even the Apostle Paul is saying, I haven't even achieved it all. I've got more growing to do. I've got more knowing to do. I've got more maturing to do. So everyone in this room probably finds ourselves between this guy and the Apostle Paul, which means wherever you are, you can embrace a journey of growing. A journey of growing in all that God has for you. Spoke about being a disciple earlier. Maybe it would be good to actually define what a disciple is. Just before Jesus went up to heaven, He gave us what we call the Great Commission. Here's your big mandate, followers of Christ. And He says this in Matthew 28, 19 to 20. He says, therefore go, and one could even say, there's another participle there, in your going, make disciples, there's that word, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So according to this verse, if we had to draw a definition of what is a disciple, according to this verse, a disciple is someone who has been taught. That's why we value preaching. That's why we value life groups. That's why we value coming before the Word of God. That's why we value those who can lead and teach. Someone who has been taught to obey everything Jesus has taught us. Now, is there anyone here in the room who has obeyed everything Jesus has taught? Anyone? I mean, if you believe you're there, please proudly put up your hand. I'll come and spend a lot of time with you, please. Anyone here? Anyone? No. But here's the kind of harsh reality that we discover when we become a Christian. So we become Christians, and, and we actually heard about it yesterday at the men's breakfast as well. We become Christians and we discover that I didn't magically wake up the next morning quoting full books of Scripture and this weird sort of glow and, and raising the dead and all this kind of stuff. We realise, wow, I wake up as a Christian and it's very exciting and God is doing some stuff in my life. But man, I, I look at Baywatch and I still feel enticed. The lust didn't magically go away. I didn't magically stop saying naughty words and thinking naughty thoughts. I didn't magically just start sacrificially serving my neighbours. I didn't magically just start speaking to people about the truth of the gospel and people coming and getting saved. No, 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 we realise, whoa, whoa, there's actually a lot of growth to do. So for many of us in this endeavour to learn and obey everything that Jesus has commanded, many of us crossed that line of faith, we found it hard and so we stopped trying just kind of gave in. Like this is it, I'm in. Because remember, I've got the golden tickets. I'm going to heaven. But all this other stuff, this this striving and this pressing in, that's not for me. Because I'm in, I can rest and I can embrace this static lifestyle. But if we understand that every single one of us is of a journey of being taught to obey, meaning put into practice, everything Jesus commanded, there is more growing to do. I don't care who you are. In fact, the older you get in the faith, the more you realize how much more growing you've got to do. And hence this language, let us press on therefore. Let us push in. Let us forget the kind of stuff that used to trip me up. Let me strive for the things that God has for me in my life. Paul recognizes it's not always easy, which is why he uses words like strain and pressing on. But he's saying it's worth it. If you only knew, it is so worth it. I think about, again, for those of you who have parents or maybe you've seen these kinds of scenes unfold in movies where parents have their little babies and they become toddlers and they're crawling around like slugs in your home. And eventually, uh, they, you know the moment where they take their first few steps, and, 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 and I mean, in the best possible situation, mom's there, dad's there, cell phone's out and, and everyone's celebrating. And step one, and like that doesn't count because walking involves at least two steps. Step two, yeah! And then usually what happens next, maybe step three, maybe step four, but then boom, ba, on their bums again. Here's what you don't do as parents at that point inside. You idiots! You're such a pathetic baby. What's wrong with you? No, we don't do that. Why? Because we know, we know that the three steps is gonna become five steps, is gonna become 10 steps. We know that the sort of bobbing around is gonna become stable walking. Eventually they're gonna be running and and they're gonna be riding bikes and, and they're gonna be adulting along with the rest of us. We know that is what's ahead of them. And for that reason, man, we encourage them even in their falling. And some of us are saying, you know, Stephen, I try to take a few steps forward, but I keep on falling. And sometimes some of us even hear the voice of God. It's a false voice in our mind. You idiots, what's wrong with you? Whereas the voice of your loving Father is saying, listen, Steve, I know what lies ahead of you. I know you're gonna start running one day. I know the kinds of things I wanna do in your life and through your life. So man, just get up and carry on going and you're gonna fall again and get up and carry on going and get up. And man, I am behind you every single step of the way. So our Father is the one cheering us on in our journey of growing, including our moments of fall as we depend on Him and the encouragement that He gives. And so we commit to this so that we can say, we as a church, we're growing. But now for the rest of the message, I also want to talk briefly about not only growing deep as a church, meaning we're growing into maturity, we're taking our roots deep into Christ, we're growing in character, we're growing in spiritual maturity. I also want to talk about what it means to grow wide as a church and what does that look like and how can we work together in that? Because this is something we do together, growing wide as a church. Now think about it. And I'm going to ask you to maybe look at that banner on my right, your left over there. Those are a number of things we've spoken about as a church. Now, if we are rooted in Christ and we're growing our roots deeper, we're experiencing greater fruitfulness, we're connected with one another because we need one another, we're starting to serve and show the love of Christ to one another, we're reaching out with the heart and the love of Christ and the gospel, what's gonna start happening is people are gonna hear the gospel, people are gonna to respond to Christ, they're going to, we're gonna invite them to church and we're gonna persist and eventually they're gonna to come to church, they're gonna encounter Christ, they too will be rooted in Christ and they too will become connected in Christ, they too will start serving and can you see the sort of feedback loop that starts happening which means when you and I are growing in depth the church automatically grows in width now there's one thing that we need to know the Bible says very clearly it is not us that makes things grow it is Jesus Throughout the book of Acts, every time that the Bible spoke about numbers, by the way, some of you are like, oh, there's pastors again, always talking about numbers. And I know that can get so weird in some churches. But I think for good reason, in the book of Acts, um, the, the, the Luke who wrote the Book of Acts is always recording how many people got saved, how many disciples were there, how many people got baptized, because they're not going, "Oh, look at our church, look how awesome they are." They're saying, "No, no, no, Here are lives that came from darkness to light. And now real lives, real families, their futures are forever changed, as they now are rooted in Christ and connected in community, etc., etc, etc. This is where you spoke last week about the fact that, man, when we are healthy as a church, healthy church makes for a healthy mission. But also a healthy mission, if we're doing what we're called to do, and I don't mean just me, I'm talking all of us. When we're doing what we need to be doing, the church continues to grow in health and continues to grow in with as well, as God as to us. I want to share a verse with you where I kind of take my, theological, biblical cue from here when it comes to growing wide as a church. Paul is writing to a church in Corinth and he writes these words in 1 Corinthians 9.19. He says, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone. Not just my mates, not just the people I like. No, no, no. I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Not as many as convenience. Oh, I think, uh, I think this is the kind of church size I like. I think we've had enough new people for a time now. I don't like not knowing new people's names. So I think, you know, can't we just settle down here now? No, that's not his attitude. Man, I'm gonna make a slave to this. Paul understands the gospel gives him an obligation to be this point of salt and light out there in the world. And he wants to win as many as is possible and that's how i like to think about these things the idea of winning people with the gospel is not an optional extra we make ourselves a slave to this as leaders in the church we put such massive thinking in how we can do this in year on year i just pray that we continue to improve this kind of thing so if we understand that god is the one who grows then what is our job what is our role well our role to go to last week's message is to be a steward Remember, God is the one who enables. God is the one who gives. Somehow, He uses you and me. So we plant, we sow, we reap, we love, we serve, we demonstrate, we proclaim. We bring out the gospel and we trust that God will do what only He can do. So guys, how can we not only think about a church growing deep, how can we also think about being part of a church that's growing wide? And there's so many ways that I can answer that question. Craig, in many ways, spoke about it two weeks ago. Reaching out in truth with the gospel and reaching out in love as we demonstrate the love of Christ. But there's also ways that we can think about being part of this process, not making anything happening, but stewarding this world, even as we gather on a Sunday or as we think about our gatheredness or our togetherness. When we were at Summit Church a couple of months ago in the States, we spent some time with one of their pastors. His name's Danny Franks. And um, he just helped us think so clearly about this. And um, as he was kind of speaking to us about this. He wrote an incredible book about all of this as well. Uh, Cheers, guys. Just so glad to have had you with us this morning and may God bless everything that you guys are doing. But Danny Franks, Bianca and I were sitting in one of the offices there and uh, he also got out like a pen, just like I'm about to do now. And he says there are three types of people sitting in any particular church. The first type of person, draw a circle here, is a consumer A consumer. Now here's what you need to know about a consumer. A consumer is someone who knows they need something more. Maybe they're not even Christians. But a consumer will come to a church because someone invited them or they'll come with a great need. Maybe their marriage is falling apart. Maybe their finances are falling apart. Maybe they've never stepped in church for a long time. Again, maybe they're not even Christians, but they're coming to Jesus. And you know what? Jesus loves these types of consumers. We read in the Gospels how Jesus constantly met people where they were at. He met them at their points of need. Absolutely, he was trying to move them on, but he met their need with his power. The kind of language a consumer will use in church is, no, this is your church. So your friends, your family, your neighbor, no, I came and visited your church. And Jesus loves consumers. But then we get another group of people where probably most of you are at, and that is a communer, a communer. You can hear in there is that word to commune and we are communing with Christ. We are communing with one another. Uh, communers tend to say, not this is your church, but this is my church. I'm now a part of this. I'm now connected in community. Our communers are serving. Our communers are in life groups. Our communities show up and there's people that they can engage with. Our communers are, are regularly part of our gatherings. And, uh, and, and so again, Jesus loves communers. And then a third group that might be sitting here this morning are the commissioned and even in this you can kind of see a growth curve to be embraced if we are to move from one to the other so these are the commissioned the commissioned don't say this is your church they don't even say this is my church they say this is our church they recognize that they are co-laborers with jesus they recognize that they exist not for themselves but for others They recognize, man, it is okay if I've heard the sermon before because there are others here who need to hear it. The commissioned are those who think through mission all the time. How is God engaging others? How is God going to use and empower me to make a difference in this world? It's not about me, it's about others. Those are the commissioned. Now, in our church, uh, just, we even did a survey a number of years ago. Uh, we probably got a small number of consumers, a smallish number of commission, and probably a large number of communers, which is okay as long as we're flowing and growing. But there are kind of two bottlenecks here. And the first bottleneck is between consumer and communer. I mentioned earlier that God loves consumers except when He stay consumers. Instead of growing from being a consumer to now I'm participating and I'm giving and I'm part of the community. No, 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 I'm 5, 20, 30 years into my spiritual journey and I still think it's all about me. You know, and if something doesn't go my way, well, everybody hears about it and we complain about it in life group and we send everybody emails because I want things done my way. That's a very dangerous bottleneck for us to get into. But there's another big bottleneck here. It's a lot more subtle, but it's between being a communer and being one who is commissioned. See, communers, if we get stuck there, communers don't like consumers because this is, this is my church. This is my church. You're sitting in my seat. You don't look like me. You don't sound like me. You don't have all the right lingo. You're not speaking the right Christianese. You don't have the right handshakes. And for that reason, I'm going to treat you as an outsider. Those who get stuck in this bottleneck tend to say things like, you know what, I'm getting less and less personal attention. So I think it's time for me to move to another church. The very interesting interesting thing about this fact is there are definitely some people who move from churches to churches, from between the consumer and the communist stage at this bottleneck over here, but way more people leave the church over there. Church is just too big for me now. I don't feel comfortable anymore. And this is someone who hasn't quite understood that they don't exist for themselves anymore. And as we grow, And as we mature, it's okay to start off having my needs met. But Jesus wants us to move past that to the point where we are empowered by Him to live for others. And man, the reason why I show up and the reason why I'm in a life group is not to receive, 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 but it's to give and to give and to give with the power that only God gives. That is why I exist. So I wonder if you had to kind of look at this paradigm over here, Honestly. And if I had to isolate five positions consumer, bottleneck A, communer, bottleneck B, and commissioned, where do you find yourself? If you're a consumer and man, you're here for the first time, we're so glad you're here because we know that God can meet your need. But are you stuck there? Or maybe you're part of a community and you're kind of going through the throes but you're getting to a point where you're feeling static, you're feeling stagnant. Maybe you're stuck at point four. Maybe what you need to do like the Apostle Paul is carry on growing, ring, developing in your character so that you can move on and become the commissioned. As we go from here to the end of our time together, Just by the way, the commissioned love the consumers. They love the fact that people are seeking God. They love the fact that people are coming needy to Jesus. They love the fact that people don't have all the answers. They know they don't have all the answers, but they love being part of other people's stories. Now, as you've identified yourself somewhere along this paradigm, just take a flying guess where Jesus wishes you were at least where you're heading towards. God wants for every single one of you to realize you are called and commissioned, that you do not exist for yourself. You exist for others. And the only way to get there is to grow. So I'm gonna ask, I was only gonna ask Warren, but I'm gonna ask the whole band to come up. I love the fact that we ended off the, Time of worship, singing that song, I have decided to follow Jesus. That is the definition of a disciple. And I want us to sing that. But as we get there, as we think about our growth, you might be asking this very practical question, which I hope you are asking. So, how do we grow, Steve? If I am static, if I am stagnant, how can I move on to becoming the commissioned? And you know what? We've just spent seven weeks answering that question. And it's all online forever. So you can access that material anytime you want. Let's think about how each one of these sermons answers the question, how do we grow? Week one, we spoke about being rooted in Christ. We spoke about how the fact is if you want greater fruitfulness in your life, in your life, don't try to produce fruits, work on the roots. If you've got healthy roots, you will produce fruits. And if your rootedness is in Christ, And those roots are getting thirstier and thirstier and going deeper and wider and stronger, giving you a far more stable platform. And man, you're soaking up Christ's presence, you're soaking up his words, you are living his words, you're embracing his words. Man, you are rooted in the gospel and anchored in him. You will grow, guaranteed. We too spoke about we are connected, we are connected. Christianity was never designed to be a Lone Ranger mission. We were never designed to do this on our own. We spoke about 10 things we lose out on if we are disconnected from community. And for some of you, the reason you're not growing is because of that. Week three, we spoke about we are empowered. Man, we don't get all of this because I'm awesome because check what I figured out. No, no, no. I realize how unable I am and daily I come to the Holy Spirit and say, God, please. I can do nothing apart from You. And we realize that apart from God's empowering presence, we're wasting our time. Week four, we spoke about being worshipers. I didn't bring this up in the sermon, but 2 Corinthians 3, around about verse 16 and 17, you can go read it for yourselves, actually says, We grow and become more like Jesus the more we gaze and worship Him. The more we simply gaze at Him, can you imagine just, it's like gazing into space, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And somehow in that process of gazing at Jesus and worshiping Him, we changed from glory to glory increased degree of Christ likeness so we grow by worshiping two weeks ago we heard about reaching out we grow when we have the kind of confidence man that God gives us as he empowers us to live out the love of Christ amongst our neighbors and our friends and even amongst the nations and as we also have the faith and confidence to share the gospel with others so they too might hear the gospel and be saved we grow when we do that. Last week, we spoke, or well, two weeks ago, we spoke about being faith filled. Faith filled. The fact that God has said certain things about His church, and when we walk in those, we take a step forward, not always knowing that our feet are going to land on solid ground, but when we do, we grow. Our faith is exercised as we trust God's promises and walk. Can you see the journey? not static. Last week we spoke about we are stewards. God gives us so much and we pray for Him to give us even more as arrogant as that sounds. And we grow when we make wise decisions about our time. Kingdom decisions. We grow when we steward our opportunities and we steward our gifts and we steward our talents. And we grow when we give financially into the kingdom for the sake of God's glory, it grows us and matures us. And so in many ways, today is just a conclusion of everything else. You want to grow? Well those are the things that are going to help you grow. So I want to pray for us. I'm going to just kind of take this off the stage here. I want to invite us to stand, please, and we're going to pray. And as a response to very brief prayer, I want to ask you to sing those words I have decided to follow Jesus. Not five years ago, 20 years ago, but now you're still following. And for you guys to actively embrace a growth curve so that you can say, We are growing. So Father God, we recognize that we're like those trees. We cannot grow unless we're rooted in streams of living water. We cannot grow unless we're connected with one another. We cannot grow apart from your Holy Spirit. We cannot grow unless we've got a heart of worship. We cannot grow unless we realize that there are others you want us to reach. We cannot grow without faith. We cannot grow unless we're faithful with all you're asking us to do. So God, similar to what I prayed last week, I pray that you'd unblock the growth blockages in our lives. These bottlenecks between being consumers and communers, bring us through that, God. And those bottlenecks between being communers and being commissioned, break that open in our lives, Father that we can increasingly be moved onto Your agenda and day on day, week on week, month on month, year on year, we look back and we see, man, how good You have been to us. God, may we taste and see that You are good so that we can say, knowing You is worth more than anything else. And we press on. We strain ahead to hold on to all that Christ has held on to us for.